Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Pepys, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Avinash Tiwari, Career Instructor of English and Composition at the University of Oregon. His research interests lie in African-American literature, Black studies, and critical race theory. He serves as the English Department's Diversity Committee Co-Chair, as well as the Politics Chair of United Academics at UO and Vice President for Political Action at the Association of American University Professors, Oregon. Tawari is also an architect and reader for Extanto Technologies, which provides K-12 diversity, equity, and inclusion content auditing services. Tawari has been named the acting director of the University of Oregon's new Black Studies program, which begins offering courses leading to a minor this fall. Thanks, Avinash, for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me here. So what led to your interest in African-American literature and Black Studies? Um, you know, it's, uh, it all started right away for me with school, right? So um, at 28, I walked into a community college classroom for the first time. And the very first essay that I wrote, um, this was in 2006, was on the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina and the U.S.'s response. Um, and for me, um, seeing that moment and really diving into that moment with the ability and distance to look back at the response, um, it became really clear to me that if I wanted to understand power, which was something that's always been at my forefront of interest and in wanting to learn, that the best way to understand power in the United States was to understand the history of anti-Black racism in this country. So I think you've probably begun to answer my next question, but I'll ask it. Why, therefore, is it important to have a Black Studies program at the U of O? Yeah, and, and there, too, I, I, I draw back on, um, on my own time as an undergrad. Um, Temple University, where I matriculated to after uh, Philadelphia Community College, um, required all every single undergraduate that walked through their university to take a course in American racism. And that course was taught by um, Africana uh, professors, right? And so obviously there the focus was heavily on anti-Black racism as foundational to the existence of the United States. Um, so in that sense, you know, I, I felt and I just kind of assumed not knowing how higher ed works that that would be everywhere, right? That that's something that would just simply have to be everywhere. If you're a university in the United States, you're devoted to thought, right? And learning, then that, that work would be present. Um, so to not see it present in an official and robust form and to only see it present in hidden corners across the university was really disappointing. Um, and I think that that's a huge corrective the university, um, I'm glad has stepped up to make. You wanna tell us a little bit about the history of the efforts to establish a, a Black Studies program at U of O? It's quite a long history. Can you say something about that for us? Yeah, and it, it is a long history and it begins right when um, other histories began with starting Black Studies programs in the US. It started in 1968 with demands from Black students on campus and their allies and their compatriots and the struggle to bring education to a radically different place. Um, and that work, you know, really did begin in 68. Um, and in a lot of ways, 
um, you know, this is the process that would ultimately lead to the creation of ethnic studies, would lead to the creation of other opportunities that we've had on campus for folks to do Black Studies work. Um, the call again came in a very circuitous route back in 2015 with the Black Student Task Force list of demands. But there too, I mean, for me, what's really important to recognize there too is those, that organization, that group and those demands came up in the same manner in the sense that when um, Darren Wilson was acquitted of Michael Brown's murder and protests erupted in the street, they spread right away to the colleges across the university and the same thing happened here. Now, <clears throat> the demands, um, did not articulate a specific demand for a Black Studies program. What they wanted was something similar to what Temple did, where every student had to take some kind of course on, on anti-Black racism. To have the bandwidth of, say, ethnic studies do that at the time, they just got a PhD program going now, but they didn't have that then, right? Where, where do you have the grad students? Where do you have the bandwidth to teach something that large? Those conversations continued, and it's not it's not my place to talk about the details of the conversations, but there were a lot of tensions in those conversations. Um, and those tensions continued to play out from 2015 onwards to this moment. Um, however, we were able to establish um, a Black Studies cluster hire, which did bring in a number of faculty. Um, and that, with that in mind, the goal was to then create this robust official Black Studies program. Um, a minor, a major, and looking at a potential graduate program. Um, as you may know, um, everyone from that Black Studies cluster hire has left our university. Um, and so where we're at is, you know, working pretty hard to get the program just up and running, to get the minor up and running. And we're, um, now that we're here, we can work on establishing that minor, deepening that minor, and then looking forward to the rest of the growth for the program. You want to say a little bit about the context of Oregon in terms of this problem that the university has had for uh, decades about retaining uh, faculty of color in general, and in particular, their problem retaining black faculty? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I think there's so many pieces. Um, it's obviously not helpful to dismiss the fact that Oregon um, is such an overwhelmingly white state. Um, and it's not that, <laughs> when you look at the numbers, it's not that black people and people of color don't live in the state, but they're not represented at the University of Oregon. Right. Um, they're certainly not resent, uh, represented compared to national averages, but they're not represented to compare compared to Oregon demographics either. Right. They're not representative of Eugene demographics, even even as white as Eugene is. Right. The University of Oregon is actually whiter <laughs> in that sense. Um, and so so, you know, there's there's layers of belonging that need to be created for faculty to feel like they have a home here um, and that's faculty of color and yes specifically with you know black faculty we've really struggled here um, we've really struggled here and i don't know obviously how much um, control we have over our environment outside the uo campus um, i have found that folks that have been here long term that have stayed here long term um, as a non-black person of color um, and same you know for my wife um, we've found 
a way to make this place our home. And I think, you know, there's a lot about the state that works well in that regard. And obviously there's a lot that doesn't, but where the work for us really lies is thinking about what the UO's responsibility is to those faculty members. Can you say a little bit about what you hope the Black Studies program will contribute to that effort, the effort to attract and retain Black faculty, Black students? Yeah, yeah, you know, both, both, um, both of those uh, demographic representations for faculty and students, black identifying faculty and students, and um, multiple race uh, individuals that identify as black and, um, those numbers again are extremely low, both on the student side and on the faculty side. And so one of the things that to remember is we are a university, right? And faculty aren't going to want to necessarily feel at home here if there aren't students and vice versa. We know that students benefit from seeing folks that look like them in their classrooms, from knowing that there are faculty walking around the halls of academia and higher learning that come from their backgrounds, that come from their cultures and histories and understand their experiences. So, so there's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to be able to have to grow both areas of faculty and students to ultimately reinforce one another. Um, having a Black Studies program now, an official home for honoring black thought, I think is a long, a long ways toward, toward doing that work. You know, I'm really grateful that we have the Black Cultural Center, the Lily Reynolds Parker Cultural Center, and that is huge, right? And that's a big benefit for students. It can be a benefit for community members. It can be a benefit for faculty. But this is a university where the academic work has to also be robust. One of the issues we've seen time and time again with um, inclusivity um, measures is that they often focus on sociality for students of color, right, and faculty of color. Um, and instead of honoring the work that may circulate amongst these student scholars and faculty, um, it's more about trying to create a social atmosphere that again, you know, <laughs> it comes right back down to the question then, well, what is blackness? How do you, how do you define what that social environment is? Um, and just as there's a range of thought possible within black studies, um, but we do have to honor that home, that intellectual home. Um, so I think that's a big step towards, towards that work. You, you raised um, the Lily Reynolds Parker Black Cultural Center. Are there, do you have particular uh, plans for how Black Studies will participate or collaborate with the Black Cultural Center? Yeah, you know, um, we have a good relationship with um, Dr. Aris Hall, the director of the center there. Um, you know, uh, she and I um, are uh, working together on the uh, Umoja residential community and then its academic residential community relaunch in 21. Um, and so we want, it, we want the cultural center to be part and parcel of all of that. Right. Um, and so, yes, there will be opportunities for students there. But we'd also especially, you know, and this was obviously before COVID, um, but we were starting already, even in that first year, to start to establish the cultural center as the spot where things that were happening in and around black studies, that's where they take place. 
right? That's where they happen. And that's where you can find folks hanging out, doing that work, interacting with students, right? So, so having that dedicated space is incredibly important as well. Because at the end of the day, look, you know, honestly, um, and, and all of us, all of us will end up feeling this way at some point. We all need a little spot on campus that we can get away to, where we can find folks that we really align with and ultimately rejuvenate ourselves, right? Refresh ourselves for the work that we're doing. Um, and that space is a beautiful space for that kind of, for that kind of community support, collaboration and rejuvenation. At a time like this, I think the need for rejuvenation is particularly acute. Can you tell us something about some of the courses that the Black Studies uh, program uh, uh, is offering for the moment? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, we, we've begun primarily with um, existing courses that are already here at UO that would fit within um, the Black Studies framework, right? And so we have a lot of courses in the humanities and social sciences. Um, English has really stepped up, including this year, to offer a number of courses in African-American literature. Um, it's really nice to see the amount of courses actually being offered, knowing that there's gonna be so many opportunities for folks to take uh, Intro to African-American Literature, the 241 course that offers them a great um, uh, dive into the um, kind of roots of African-American literary production and how that <clears throat> stretches out across time and place. Um, but then there's also opportunities to dive into some of the deep work. You know, uh, Professor Courtney Thorson is running a Toni Morrison class this year. Um, I don't know anyone that isn't excited about a course with Courtney teaching Morrison, right? I mean, it's going to be, talk about a deep dive and such an important time to always, always, always go back to Toni Morrison's work, um, especially for all the things um, that people are looking for and feeling right now. Um, and at the same time, it offers our students a way to really dive into some serious scholarship to see what depth is available with a single author, right? That's just one author, right? So I'm really excited about that. Um, in history, uh, there's going to be some, um, you know, some courses throughout the uh, year. Um, we're also going to see some courses in philosophy and the social sciences and WGSS. Um, I have a new course, uh, the first official Black Studies designated course that will be kicking off in winter term. Um, and it's a topics course, a 100 level topics course that I would love to get first year students really involved and to see what, it, what the breadth and depth of Black Studies can be. So the course is um, uh, titled Writing in Black and the first uh, topic that I'm taking on this term is um, uh, Black existential thought. So really diving into the philosophy of existence by focusing those questions of not even who am I, but what am I, right? Um, what is the purpose? How does one live? Um, focusing those questions through Black thought and Black thought as always a critical project to Western thought. Right. And so I think that's just a really exciting opportunity for folks to see what Black Studies is capable of. It sounds like a fascinating course. You want to tell us a couple of the authors you'll be reading? Oh, yeah. Um, so, of course, there will be some W.E.B. Du Bois in there, but it'll be later Du Bois, um, post-35 Du Bois after Black Reconstruction, after um, <laughs> the U.S. decided they had enough of them. 
you know, um, and after he, he made a turn to um, such an expansive and interconnected view of how power and existence all function together. Um, I think especially important um, for this year and this moment, and I'm really glad it's on the syllabus, we'll be looking at Fanon, um, but we'll be looking at Fanon, uh, Le Dom de Terre. Um, now, I know it's translated wretched. Um, I disagree with that. Damned is important to understand why damned, <laughs> but I'll stop there to just say that we are focusing on the mental health chapters in Fanon. I think understanding anti-racism um, and then the impact of anti-black racism on mental health is incredibly important for us to consider um, and, to, and to consider it within this larger tradition of black thought as well. So you've already spoken uh, quite eloquently about the, the benefits that the Black Studies program can provide to Black students, Black-identified faculty. Um, but as you mentioned, the vast majority of students that attend the University of Oregon are white. And these courses that you're describing, a good number of the students that will be in those courses will be white students. You want to say a little bit more about why that's a good thing and what, what the benefits of that are to have white students taking these courses, why white students need to learn black, uh, black studies and anti-black and anti -black racism? Yeah, yeah, you know, um, uh, teaching in composition and teaching the um, occasional English literature course, um, you know, I, I end up teaching a lot of a lot of white students, unless I'm teaching a CMAE course where I have primarily students of color and all first generation students. Um, the thing that I find most important <laughs> is that unfortunately, students who want to be allies in particular often don't take advantage of the university as a space for learning how to be an ally, and I don't necessarily even agree with the word, right? There are lots of folks that think the word just isn't strong enough. Um, you know, comrade is a good word for this kind of struggle that, that folks are engaged in here. Um, but they, they learn a lot of what they learn on social media. Um, they learn a lot of what they learn um, with the intent of wanting to do good and wanting to be a good person and a good friend and a good, you know, a good person in the world. But they're severely lacking the history, the social context, and the understanding of how deeply anti-Black racism functions and what then are they capable of doing in this moment? How do they understand this moment? And why the rush to always do, 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 it almost lends itself to a kind of hubris that I'm going to be the one that's going to figure this thing out. And my generation is going to be the one that figures this thing out. And, and part of me, of course, wants to admire and value that hope and that energy. But at the same time, the more things change, the more they sit, stay the same. We've been down this road many, many, many times. What we have here at the university, especially now with a formal program, is a chance to study, is a chance to learn, right? And, and for me, that piece is just so incredibly valuable. Um, so I would be grateful um, to see non-Black students in these courses for that reason. 
related point. Um, a couple of years ago, the Common Reading Program, which is the program that the incoming students read a book, or it has been that, uh, uh, the, the book was ta Coates, Between the World and Me. And I know uh, that you played a very active role in, in that process, and in particular in helping to educate faculty uh, who were teaching uh, the book. Um, this year's Common Reading uh, uh, Program, very much related to what you were saying, is Listen, Learn, and Act. And the focus during the fall term will be Nicole Hannah-Jones' uh, 1619 Project. It's clear that that the effort behind the common reading is related to the point you just made. Tell us what is the 1619 project, and why is it a good thing that uh, that this is what we're doing for the common reading program this year? If anything, at its most simplest form, I think if folks walk away from understanding that the 1619 project throws a serious light at trying to understand when our history in the US begins. So for the United States of America, when does that history begin, right? Um, already, you know, we so many folks are familiar with the controversy surrounding the project. What does it mean to take the founding of this country back to 1619? And honestly, I would argue, what does it mean to take the country back to the 1536, right? When you had the first slave, successful slave rebellion all right, on this land that would become the US if we want to understand black history. Um, you know, so, so there, are, there are ways that this very simply upsets the narrative of the foundation of the United States, right? And I think that's its most successful play as a project. Um, the reactivity that you see alone to this project, right? It's, it's astounding. You know, one of my former professors at Temple history professors, uh, David Waldstreicher, he had a piece in Boston Review that went after all the history profs that went after 1619, right? And he took them down point by point by point by point, just like he did when I was an undergrad, you know? Um, and it was great to see that. And so in a lot of ways for academics, for us in the scholarly community that do the work of African-American literature, history, black studies, um, we've been through these debates plenty of times. Right. Um, even members of the Black Student Task Force, you know, they long before the article appeared in the New York Times or the series appeared in the New York Times, they were rocking 1619 black T-shirts. Right. Because that's a truth that a lot of folks just simply, you know, they grow up with or they have been introduced to and they learn. Um, so. I'm grateful that this project offers an opportunity for folks at the UO to be unsettled. Um, you know, um, you mentioned the previous common reading with Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, I was really concerned about doing a book on anti-Black racism. One, I don't think our students have the bandwidth for it not with this remote environment, not with everything happening on the streets right now, not with everything happening around elections, right? Um, and two, I don't know how deeper our benches since 2016 in terms of faculty being able to do this work and do it well. And especially if our focus is on honoring black students in this moment and what they need intellectually, how many folks do we actually have out there that we can say on faculty and staff can do this work well? And so I'm really grateful that the common reading is taking up this opportunity as a way for faculty and staff to really educate themselves too. You know, I believe like, you know, the, um, the UO Foundation is going through 
1619 project, right? That's important. That's yeah, important. Yeah, great, great point. Great point. I, 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 why don't you elaborate a little bit more about on how the Black Studies program can help to educate university faculty and university administrators on the history of anti-Black racism and on the struggles of Black identified people in the U.S. You know, I have to say I've been um, uh, pleasantly surprised over these last couple of years of working on the program, how much administrators have been willing to sit down and actually hear about Black studies, right? Really, and you know, I've had opportunities to talk about the history, to talk about the different branches of Black thought, um, to talk about the different ways that circulated at different universities, different campuses, right, at different times. And for some administrators, this was all brand new. This is all brand new to them. Um, and it gave them ways to be able to articulate um, what these things are why they are necessary, how they function. And obviously in an institution like ours, if we don't have administrators that understand that history, can even articulate that history, then, then where are we, how are we gonna get anywhere with anything, right? Um, you know, we have to be able to um, articulate a value that often isn't articulatable in a university setting. Um, and so to do that work at, for administrators, I think is really important. Um, this year, you know, now that the program, the minor is official, um, I'd love to run a series of town halls and, you know, Dean Blonigan, Bruce Blonigan and Kaz has offered to help with that for Kaz leadership to be part of that. And that's so important that we now have this opportunity, not just to hear from folks, but to actually talk about what this is and what this is going to be. Um, there are so many ways for us to take on black studies work right um what direction are we going to go with this you know how how much is black feminism and how much are, is black queer theory and black queer studies going to be foregrounded in this program are we going to be able to sustain connections with the latinx studies program the native studies program right and do that work that is so necessary um you know there's such a such a, a an important focus especially back on the east coast and so many universities on on um afro latinx communities we see a little bit of that here and we have some great folks here that are doing that work can we really build and strengthen that right um you know so there's there's so many possibilities that i hope we can have some serious discussions about this one thing that's been a little tough for me honestly um is that again, coming from the East Coast and coming from Temple and a very rich Africana studies program, I have had to spend a lot of time here um, at this university, and this is faculty and, and some administrators too, um, to just have a conversation that yes, black studies is a 50 year old discipline. And as long as the modern era has existed with anti-black thought, there has been black thought countering that. And that's just the modern era. And so now let's not, you know, and I've had wonderful conversations with um, some of the affiliated faculty in African studies. Um, and so there too, there again, there's an opportunity there to think about the rich tradition of black 
you know, and I put, I put uh, quote marks around black because obviously pre-modern, black doesn't mean the same thing. But what are the intellectual um, thought that's come out of the African continent pre-modern times, right? So these are all pieces that um, I hope we can think about and even debate about in terms of what we do with them. Well, Avinash, we've come to the end of our time. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I want to thank you too, on the uh, uh, on my behalf, for the work that you're doing to help make the Black Studies program succeed. It's been really a delight talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks. I've been uh, speaking with Avinash Tiwari, instructor of English and Composition and acting director of the newly formed Black Studies program at the University of Oregon. Thanks so much for joining us.